It's October. It is October. Looks like we made it. <laughs> so it's October. Yep. Jordan and I watch scary movies all October long. Good. Would you like to know what we watched last night? Yes. We watched The Witch. Oh, that movie's terrifying. Chris, did you tell me? I thought somebody I knew, like I started that movie and I was like, I think Chris Jensen told me not to watch it. I did tell you not to watch that. <laughs> it's horrifying. It's horrifying. And the twist, I mean, I, I don't care. I'm going to spoil this. The twist at the end is made way more scary if you are a person of faith. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because you think the whole time it's going like, this is a mental illness thing. Like she's just like kind of crazy and thinks she's seeing these things. No, no. The supernatural is real. Yeah. All kinds of bad stuff is going down. Let me tell you, that movie is terrifying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to watch it again, to be fair, because I like that kind of scary, but it's terrifying. Jordan likes that kind of scary, too. And honestly, like, I do, too. Although, I'll be honest, I actually did watch a good portion of it under a blanket. Like, oh, like yeah. one eyeball out. But <laughs> I love... Okay, Jordan and I, we just have a good time together. And, like, sometimes I had fake spiders under his pillow sure, and yeah. mm -hmm. so last night did we you were, do something with a goat well we were laying in bed and like i like i leaned over and i was like good night would you like to live deliciously <laughs> <laughs> would you like the taste of butter it was so scary he was like Amy, stop what are you doing that's terrifying it was terrifying um when i saw that movie i had to cut the tension of it um, constantly. Yeah, because um, it's tense the it whole is, time. The entire time. It's the music. That it's music the music and the, and the fact that very little is actually happening yes. on screen and you're just waiting. Yeah. It's just this constant, like, I don't know, your, your whole body is clenched tense. the entire That's time. Right. It is. So I had to keep constantly cutting that tension by whispering to my friend next to me, Whoa, Black Philip, lamb, lamb, whoa, <laughs> Black Philip, <laughs> which helped a lot. <laughs> I've never been so scared by a goat in mm -hmm. my entire life. That goat is terrifying. I did Google and could not find, however, what happened to the twins? Has I don't it been know. recently since you've seen like what No, I saw it when it came out. What happened to those guys? Nothing good. No, but they were kind of demonish demonish. Yeah. They were awful children. Oh, and so terrible. I wondered if they really were possessed by the devil. And that's what's terrifying, like you don't know. No, it was it was horrifying. I thought you would like it because of the language. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Felt no, very the, accurate. Um, they did a great job getting into like seventeenth-century like Puritan dialect. Yes. And the fact that like this family has been like kind of excommunicated from their Puritan brethren because they're too extreme in their beliefs, and I'm like, who's more extreme than the Puritans? We wondered if it was the Church of Christ. Yeah, well, <laughs> it could have been it. like the early. <laughs> Early whisperings yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, we know? weren't around yet. But <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Oh, terrifying. Scary. Terrifying so movie. Scary. episode 191 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I am officially very much off the market. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. You're engaged! I got engaged. <laughs> How'd it go? It went well. Um, it rained, oh. and it was very humid. Mm-hmm. 
But it worked out. But you're engaged. I'm engaged. And that's what matters. That is what matters. The and ring so, is cute. Thank you. Not cute. It's beautiful. Thank you. I saw I it and like, I love cute. it. Cute. I'm not sure how cute describes rings. I like its size though. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, very dainty. Yeah. And it's not like small, like I didn't spend money on it. Right. But it's not huge like I have gaudy taste. Yes. It's just right. It is. It's a Goldilocks ring. Is it ring. a rose gold band? Mm -mm. What color Yellow is gold. that band? Yellow gold. 14K. It looks beautiful. I loved it. Thank you. Um, and thank you to all of the various podcast listeners who congratulated me on Instagram. That was very nice. <laughs> that is nice. I think we all needed some good news last week. I so think we probably thank did. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> the world thanks you. Thanks to the world for almost ruining everything that week. That's <laughs> okay. So Love conquers all. Omnia winket, or oh, Amor winket omnia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... So here's the thing. Yeah. Growing up, I used to care deeply, like yes. high school age, about fall TV. Yeah, me like, too. Like I was really, an, not even, I didn't watch a ton of shows. Mm -hmm. I had like my faithful few. I subscribed to TV Guide and Entertainment Weekly when they were print magazines. I loved Entertainment Weekly. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking there was a, uh, a website even back then, and I can't remember who it was. Maybe TV Without Pity, Television mm, Without Pity. I don't know that one. Anyway, I like read their recaps of mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls. I was a huge Alias fan. There you go. So, so very I, of your era. Yes. Oh yeah. I feel like that age. That those two shows alone. Yes. Just it's like that Twitter me. meme that's like, "Tell me one thing about yourself that will tell me exactly how old you are." Have yes. you seen that? I'm like, I watched Alias. I loved it. I watched <laughs> Alias in real time, so I knew Bradley Cooper as a an very original good, blonde. Very good. Very good. I think Ooh. my other answer to that question is. I'm through a party for Jim and Pam's wedding years old. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. we mm -hmm. had an office party for that. <laughs> we threw really great parties. Uh, but I looked forward to, like, fall TV and... Um, what is that? What, sweeps. Remember? Yeah, uh -huh. February sweeps. Yeah. Like, I really looked forward to that. When you're going to have a crazy guest star or some kind yeah. of crazy plot point. The world has changed. It, completely. Like, my children will never... No. <laughs> not that I mourn that or anything, no. but it is kind of a bummer. The TV landscape, as we grew up with it, does not exist anymore. No. Like, it has been obliterated. Yeah. Um, salt, salted and burned. <laughs> yeah. Um, just gone. It's... And I... I can't decide what I think about that. Like, yeah. on the one hand, I love it, because there's new stuff coming out all the time. Jordan and I can rely on really... We barely use cable TV anymore. Yeah. In Thomasville, it makes sense to still have it. Um, I used it to watch C-SPAN 3 last week. Yeah. yeah. Or that's it. Jordan, you know, we use it to watch college football. Mm -hmm. um, but we know if push came to shove, we could do without it because we have other For sure. platforms. I also, though, feel like I consume a lot more. Yeah. Than I would have if yes. I just had a couple of shows I was relying on and watching on Tuesday nights yep. or Thursday nights. Um, you know, like what did they used to call Thursday night with friends? Must see TV. Must see TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I kind of miss that because I, I feel like I consume a lot more without yeah, it. Because it's not scheduled anymore. That's right. It's whenever I want it. Yeah. Which I don't like that. I don't either. I remember the first time I binge watched a show and it was before we had the term binge watch mm -hmm. because it was before Netflix. Yeah. And I, it was this anime, um, and I had to like find some sketchy streaming site and like had to wait 20 minutes for each episode to, to load, load. <laughs> and then I would watch one and like load the next episode while I was watching the first one. Uh -huh. Um, and it was all like bootleg YouTube essentially. Yeah. It was before YouTube, I'm my, pretty sure. My first binge was Lost on DVD. Good. Somebody loaned me DVDs and I was very sick, uh, like 
right after I graduated college, I got very sick, and my so my brother and I like watched Lost together. That would have been right around the same time. Mine was senior year of high school, I yeah. think. So like, right around there. Yeah. So now it just feels like, like even our friends at the Popcast did a show on fall TV, and I don't really think I even had in my head come to terms with fall TV until I saw that episode pop right. up in their feed. Right. Like I was like, oh, fall TV still a thing. Yeah. No, it is, and so is the train. <laughs> Can, do you think, oh, people could for sure hear the motorcycle in last week's episode. Oh, yeah. Definitely could hear the motorcycle. <laughs> I listened um, to it and I was like, oh my. I intentionally left that in because I thought it was a really funny it moment. It is funny. And it was a very charming downtown Thomasville moment. Yes, guys. We can hear everything. Oh, yeah. So we can hear the train now. But back um, to Fall TV. Yeah, so Fall TV is happening. We're not a pop culture podcast. We're not in name. No. But we kind of are. We talk about some pop culture adjacent things. Yeah. But we did think it would be fun to basically give TV show or give books. Give book recommendations based on TV shows that you want to watch or have watched and enjoy. That's right. We've done this before. Yes. Um, and so when we were scheduling out our episodes last week, we were thinking, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah. And that'll be fun. <laughs> and so what we did is each of us chose three TV shows that we like or are excited about, and then two book recommendations for each of those shows. So if you are interested in these shows, you will probably like these books. Yep. Okay. Um, why don't you go first? Okay. <clears throat> I am going to age myself here. I picked Murphy Brown. Mm -hmm. Which was before our time. Way before my time. Well, yeah. I say way. I think my parents watched it. Yeah. Um, but I have no cultural attachments mm -hmm. to Murphy Brown. I don't care that it's coming back. It's the same way I felt about Roseanne coming back. Yep. What's another one that came... Like, I just don't care because those shows just missed me. Right. Um, call me when Growing Pains comes back. <laughs> or is that the one with Michael J. Fox? Growing Pains was Kirk Cameron. Yeah. No, Which the one with Michael one? J. Fox was... Um, oh, no. Did it have... Family, family ties. Family ties. Yeah, call me when family ties is back. Then I'll care. Um, it's like not all in the family. <laughs> no, all different show. I feel like that is timely today. It is. Yeah. Um, anyway, but Murphy Brown. I have no attachment to this show. I probably am not gonna watch it. it I'm probably just not because it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. However, I immediately thought of two books that remind me of the culture of Murphy Brown. Yeah. Um, and of the themes of Murphy Brown. Right. So the first is a book that has been recommended to me, but I have not read it yet. But I kind of want to spread the word about it because yeah. we're always talking about frontlist titles. Mm -hmm. And so this is a backlist title that one of our customers recommended to me a while ago called Amanda Wakes Up. And it is based on, <clears throat> may have even been written by a CNN reporter. And so it's about her fictional kind of, news program mm -hmm. and I as a journalism major in college I always find things like that to be fascinating especially with female protagonists yeah um, and so this is a book that I feel like I don't hear a lot about on bookstagram yeah. or in book podcasts and yet I have a customer who I really trust I trust her reading case who loved this book and so this is a book I feel like that doesn't get a lot of uh, attention good so Amanda wakes up it's available in paperback and if you if you are older than I am and you did grow up enjoying Murphy Brown and you plan to watch the reboot, then I think you would like Amanda Wakes Up. Perfect. 
The second one is a book I've talked about on here before. It's now a backlist title. It's available in paperback called Hello Sunshine. This is going to be a little bit lighter than Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown, as I understand it, is like part of the reason it's so popular is because it speaks to what's going on in our world today. Exactly. Um, so it makes, you know, statements about things that are going happening politically. Um, Hello Sunshine is not going to do that, but I think it is a book that talks about, even in a funny way, I guess, talks about media in our world. So in the book, the protagonist is a YouTube star and she has kind of created her own persona on YouTube. And then in an instant kind of all that all of that falls apart and she has to kind of start over mm -hmm. and i read this author's first book called 800 grapes and thought mm -hmm. it was fine um but i thought hello sunshine was delightful i remember you reading that one uh got a really great recognizable cover um i thoroughly enjoyed this so you can basically do one of two things if you like murphy brown and love it for its political commentary then i think you should read amanda wakes up if you like Murphy Brown or you're attracted to that show because of a strong female lead and because of friendships and maybe a look at media, mm -hmm. then I think you should go with Hello Sunshine. Did you like news radio? Ooh, what's that? News radio was a sitcom on either NBC or CBS, I'm pretty sure. Early 90s, early to mid 90s. Okay. It was Phil Hartman. Um, I think Andy Dick was in it. Okay. Um, it seems like I remember watching it a little bit, but I was very young, so I don't have strong memories of it. Yeah. Because I think Phil Hartman died in 1994 yeah. or something like that. Um, so, like, I was not very old. Yeah. Um, but the show, as I recall and have read about it, seems very up your alley. Oh. It's about news radio and yeah. a sitcom, workplace sitcom about working. Ooh, I might like radio. to. So, I might like to try that because I loved um, sports. Sports Night? Sports, sports Night. Gosh. That was Sorkin's, right? Yes. I love that show so much. Um, I love the Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm -hmm. And I watched... You might have recommended this to me. And I tried to get into it and I couldn't. Um, great news. Good news. Oh, yeah. I tried it. It was a little too goofy for me. It's goofy. It's Tracy Wakefield. Yes. Um, it got better as it went, okay. I thought. I really enjoyed that. And season two just got put on Netflix. Okay. So Maybe I'll uh, try it. I don't think I've seen season two. I think I only watched the first season. But like, I do love out. I do love workplace sitcoms and if journalism is thrown in there, mm -hmm. even even in the most minor of ways, yeah. I'm I'm at least intrigued. And always a plucky female protagonist. Yes, right? always. And so like I, I think you'll like that okay, one. Okay, maybe if you I'll stick with maybe I'll more. stick with it. Um so I like Kind of absurd comedies. Yes. Um, we've both watched this show, The Good Place. Oh my gosh, it's so good. The Good Place is so hard to describe to people, though. It is. Because you want to say it's an NBC sitcom about the afterlife, mm -hmm. which sounds terrible. <laughs> there is nothing about that premise that sounds good to me at all. Um, and to talk about it at all is to give away what it actually is. Yes. Um, and so essentially... It's an NBC sitcom about the afterlife. That's right. Starring Ted Danson, which and, then makes things feel a little mm -hmm. bit better. And, and Kristen and Bell. And Kristen Bell, and then four relative newcomers to the game. Who have been amazing. Phenomenal. And so I'm caught up on The Good Place now. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I like about it so much is that it is often very silly comedy, mm -hmm. but then along with very heady philosophical themes. Yes. That it does not try to mask. It's no. like, hey, let's talk about the trolley problem. Let's yes. talk about like free will. Let's talk about like very, very heady things. Some professors and high school teachers should be watching this show religiously Honestly. to use in their classes. Honestly, because it explains very yeah. difficult concepts so well yes. and so simply. And hats off to the writers yeah. in the room because they're doing They're amazing. doing a really good job. And so I picked two books that kind of 
do something similar by okay. marrying something very heady, intellectual, difficult to something just fun and simple and accessible. Okay. And so the first one of these is brand new. I haven't been able to look through it as much as I want to, but it's called How to Invent Everything. Okay. Um, it's by Ryan North. It just came out this week. Okay. Um, he is also the one who did um, Romeo and or Juliet a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, that's why that name was so um, And he is famous for dinosaur comics on the internet. Um, really, really funny guy. And okay. so How to Invent Everything, last week on the website that shall not be named, listed mm -hmm. it as a bestseller in both sci-fi and nonfiction. Okay. Which, how? Those are different <laughs> Those things. Those are two different things. The premise is it's a how-to guide to make everything mm -hmm. in case you get stuck in prehistoric times as a time traveler. Okay. And so just funny, goofy premise, yeah. right? But then gives you practical advice about like how to start a fire. How to, okay. how to sharpen a stick to make a weapon in case you need to hunt something. How to do various tasks that are useful. That's fun. But given the premise of what if you accidentally get stuck back in time? So that same kind of thing of goofy, funny humor yep. combined with practical advice. Yeah, I like that. Um, the other one is also a how-to title, and I recommend this every other episode on this show. Um, but how to live safely in a science fictional universe mm -hmm. combines a funny plot of a time time machine repairman who gets stuck in time trying mm -hmm. to help somebody out and then ends up being a book about human memory and how we form relationships mm -hmm. and makes this very beautiful story out of a kind of absurd nonsense premise what? i love books like that what did you read the book i feel like you did was it even a shelf subscription title for you by matt haig um, oh, uh, How to Stop Time? Yeah. Yeah, I read that. Okay, is that in this category at all? <laughs> kind of. Okay. It's a little more of an action plot. Okay. That has, like, all these elements, the time travel-y and, like, not really time travel, but, like, immortal okay. elements in it that I enjoyed. Yeah. It was not my favorite thing. Okay. Um, but I liked, I liked it. Okay. Um, okay, my next one was partly inspired by something I watched this weekend. Ironically, I have not watched this show. Mm -hmm. um, it's called, the show is called I Feel Bad All Day, Every Day, About Everything. <laughs> I want to like this show yeah. uh, because Amy Poehler is behind mm -hmm. it. Um, and the trailers look great. The trailer looks great. I'm I'm unsure. Yeah. Um, honestly. It hasn't come out yet. It hasn't come out yet. And between me and you, like, I just don't spend a lot of time watching cable yeah. shows until after yeah so like when this launches on netflix in a year i'll probably tell everyone you should be watching this right. <laughs> but i my brain just doesn't work mm -hmm. i feel sorry for cable tv i mean for network for network tv like yeah. I, because i i just don't care as much as yeah. i used to so this is a network tv show but i like who's behind it i like the premise it looks like it could be funny so the reason I recommended it, or the reason I picked it, is because this week I did watch, finally, uh, the Nora Ephron documentary, Everything is Copy. Mm. I never had HBO until, I don't know, earlier this year. And so I finally realized that's where this documentary yeah. was. There's lots of great HBO documentaries. Yes. So I finally watched this one, sobbed on my couch, loved <laughs> it. So my first book that coincides with I Feel Bad is I Feel Bad About My Neck by Nora Ephron. So mm -hmm. I had a woman ask, I think I had several people a little upset with me that Mary Laura Philpott's book does not come out until April. Understandable, guys. Sure. However, there are lots of great essay collections out there that cover the same themes. Um, Look at any of Kelsey's shelf subscriptions if you want to <laughs> right. list. Um, 
a go-to is Nora Ephron. So yeah. if you like When Harry Met Sally, if you like, and you like it not because of the romance, but because of the, the witty wit. banter, yeah. then her essay collections are for you. These are not like romance you know, stories. These are, this is witty banter. And her book, I Feel Bad About My Neck, is all about aging. Mm-hmm. So her last two essay collections in particular really tackle issues of dying, mm-hmm. of um, end of life, of midlife and and growing old and what she thought about those things um i love these essay collections and so if you were curious about mary laura philpot that book is excellent wait until april in the meantime (laughs) read i feel bad about my neck and then um because the sitcom i feel bad is all about this woman who just constantly feels guilt about Mm -hmm. not being a good enough mom Mm -hmm. not being a good enough wife not being good enough um employee same Uh, yeah like welcome (laughs) welcome to adulthood um then i think people should read the misfortune of mary and paul this is a book i raved about when it came out and i had some people like scratching their heads like this is fine no guys it's great i stand by it i think it's fantastic it's about a mom who has pretty much spent her adult life uh, taking care of her children her kids are in private school she works at the private school and she is embezzling money mm-hmm. and goes on the run. And I think that that premise alone is hilarious. And you watch her, you watch her feel sometimes guilt over these things and then sometimes feel no guilt or remorse. Mm-hmm. She's not a really a character to root for. She's really not. That's why I like this book. Like she's complicated mm-hmm. and messy. And so, um, Miss Fortune, Marion Palm, Maria Simple, who wrote yeah. uh, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Uh-huh. Her new book out. Can you remember the name of that book? I don't same remember. Kind, was it same kind of? It's not same kind of different as me. That's a different book. Anyway, she, her second book was not to me as good as Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Right. It just did not. It didn't resonate the same way. However, it also has these same themes of a woman who is kind of in midlife looking around going, Mm -hmm. oh, what have I done? And and things are a little messier than I would have liked. Um, So if you are intrigued by the premise of the sitcom I Feel Bad, read Nora Ephron Essays Collections, or essay collections, read The Misfortune of Marianne Palm, and maybe check out the Maria Simple book. Um, It wasn't for me, but that doesn't mean it's not for somebody else. Yeah. Um, the next thing I have here is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Guys. It, the trailer looks so good. I'm so excited. Um, so it comes out on October 26th. None of us have actually seen this yet. No. Um, I wish it had come out the first week of October so I could do Halloween binge watch, right? I was about to say, don't you think this was poor planning? I really do. On Netflix's part? Mistake, and so guys. You, we could also compare this to Stranger Things, but just coming back to The Witch that opened our show, like <laughs> the trailer for this show has the devil throwing a birthday party for Sabrina. <laughs> now, if you're familiar with Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the... Which I hope you are. I hope you are, the <laughs> 90s TV show. I saw lots of people on the internet very angry about this, like, reboot, like, completely changing the tone of the material. That's the whole... That is the point. Yeah. But also, it's not original to this TV show. About okay. five years ago, the... I think showrunner, maybe writer, maybe producer, I'm not sure, but he is involved in the show in some way. Um, he is a writer named Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, okay. and he re-envisioned Sabrina um, with the relaunch of all the Archie comics four or five years ago. Riverdale. Riverdale. Okay. And so if you enjoyed Riverdale, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa um, wrote this kind of 
new take on Sabrina to fit into that universe. That was okay. like, what if we took Sabrina, the whole premise, the teenage witch, the talking cat, the ants, everything, but instead of like harmless magic, it's like really scary demonic magic yeah. that she does and it all has a cost. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really interesting twist. I do too. Um, and so I'm very, very excited about this show. I am too. And so the first of these things that I am recommending is the book that it's based on, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Okay. It's a comic book. It's collected in graphic novels of five or six issues each. Um, I forget what the first volume is called, um, but it's a really, really good book. Interesting. Scary. Mm -hmm. I will put that out there. <laughs> Scary. Yeah, this is, this is a total rebrand total re to what we know of as Sabrina. And it has the humor and it has the heart. But it also has elements of real horror. Okay. And I think that's such an interesting That is up, interesting. Um, that we don't see a whole lot of. No, I think that's why I'm excited. Um, and so something really similar is this book that came out last year, I think, Meddling Kids. Yes, Kate loved this by book. By Edgar Cantero. Um, yes. And it essentially takes the premise of like, the kids from Scooby-Doo have now grown up mm -hmm. and need to solve a real mystery with real monsters. Mm -hmm. And it's this bizarre kind of thematic mashup. Um, this is not a kid's it book. It is not a children's <laughs> book. And I really, really want to stress that. Yeah. Um, think of like Lev Grossman's The Magicians is to Harry Potter what Meddling Kids is to Scooby-Doo. Okay. It's like not... It's like if you liked those things when you were younger and are now an, an adult and want something kind of dark and gritty, go for Meddling Kids. Mm -hmm. That will scratch that itch for you. Mm -hmm. If you are not... If you are just giving this to like a child who likes Scooby-Doo, please reconsider. <laughs> um, it is not for that. But... Same thing. If you want to reimagine something from childhood for an adult audience, uh -huh. this will do that for That's you. That's a great comp. That was that, that was so smart. You're so good. Oh, you are doing good <laughs> too. <laughs> um, okay, my last show that I picked is The Romanoffs. Yeah. This is not out yet either. Again, very excited. Guys. Creator of Mad Men. Creator of Mad Men, which you and I talked off mic, mm -hmm. that I watched the first season of Mad Men and just... I'm, I'm sorry. I just couldn't get into it. I'm, you weren't. You didn't like dislike it. You just no, couldn't get into it. I just it. felt kind of ambivalent. Yeah. Like, sure, I know that's good. And like I said off mic, it's a show that gets better the more that you watch. So here's why I'm intrigued by the Romanoffs. Now, first of all, I want you to know that I was intrigued only because at first, so sight unseen. Yeah. Hadn't seen a mm -hmm. trailer, hadn't seen anything. I just thought the Romanoffs, yeah. like as somebody who grew up again, aging watching myself, Anastasia. watching Anastasia, mm -hmm. I became obsessed. I read the Dear America. I don't mm -hmm. know if guys were as into no. these as girls were, but the Dear America, um, like historic diary entries. They were like fictionalized diaries. Anastasia had one that was one of my favorites. Um, so I became briefly obsessed with the Romanoff family. Um, this is different from that mm -hmm. in that I finally did get to see the trailer while we were in the movies mm -hmm. at the movie theater this weekend. And I just kept like tapping Jordan's arm. Like this looks so good. Um, <laughs> it does. Part of the reason it looks good is I don't think I've ever seen anything like this where each episode is a different mm -hmm. storyline. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, so, so the premise is that the Romanoff ancestors have grown up mm -hmm. and like have dispersed throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And so he got to film um, in Russia mm -hmm. and like all over the world because these different storylines are not right related mm -hmm. and yet they, and are. they are. Yeah. So please go watch the trailer. It looks fantastic yeah. um i also i always loved the guy he was in the first season of house of cards 
bald. Crystal. Yeah. I really like him. Yeah, he's a good actor. And I don't know why. But anyway, I saw that he was in it, plus a bunch of Mad Men alum, mm-hmm. uh, Christina Chris Hendricks, Hendricks. Um, John Slattery. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited. So I picked two, well, three. Um, <laughs> the first book I picked is The Obvious. It's called I Was Anastasia. Mm-hmm. It's a historic fiction by Ariel Lawhorn. This is one that... Um, I think Ann Bogle has recommended a lot on her show. I think she and Ariel are friends. Um, but if you like historic fiction, like Fiona Davis, then I think you'll enjoy I Was Anastasia. It's about exactly what you think it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman who in adulthood believes that she is the Romanov. Yeah, which is really interesting. Guys, oh, That's a good premise. I just find <laughs> it so fascinating. So if you, like me, grew up reading that Dear America book, then I Was Anastasia should scratch that itch. Um, also, Gentlemen in Moscow mm-hmm. immediately came to mind. Obviously. My dad just finished that book and loved it. Bookseller Confession? Haven't read it yet. Haven't read it yet. I know. I got it from my dad last year. And Did he like it? I don't think he's read it yet. My dad adored it. And not only that, my dad is precious. He gave me his copy because he wanted me to read it with his underlines in it. I love that. <laughs> so I love so everything Trust about me, that. everyone. You don't need to message me. I will be reading it. My father tells me to do something and generally I do it. So, <laughs> so, so I will be reading Gentleman Moscow. But the other one that came to mind is one we talk about all the time. Kitchens of the Great Midwest. Mm-hmm, because it's that disconnected. Yeah. chapter thing so visit from the goon squad too yeah so i was just thinking what is a book where you get all these different Mm -hmm. um people and plots and then they do wind up coming together in the end they're connected but maybe not in the way you expected exactly so if you still have not read kitchens of the great midwest that's a backlist title we talk about all the time because it's so i was about to say for good reason like we're not just talking about it because we can't think of anything else it's because yeah there's been nothing like it really since that one in how to live safely in science fictional universe the two that I come back to because they're legitimately great books. Yeah. And unlike something like Station Eleven, mm-hmm. I think Kitchens of the Great Midwest doesn't get talked about in other... No, not nearly as much. Yeah. So anyway, I was Anastasia, Kitchens of the Great Midwest, Gentlemen in Moscow, and look, I know the Romanovs is only appearing thanks to the website slash corporation that cannot be named. Yeah. But I don't know, guys. It looks like a good show. Yeah. It, I, it, I don't know what looks, to say. It looks good. <laughs> You can pirate it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like being, it's like stealing from the rich. It is. <laughs> it's you like can, Robin Hood. You can Robin Hood this thing. <laughs> don't um, quote us on that. Please don't quote us on that. <laughs> um, what you do with your time is not my <laughs> Not fault. my business. Um, so the last show that I picked is American Vandal. You've seen this, it's right? It's so good. But it's another one of these things that's so hard to talk about because I don't know how to describe it. And it's also it is... not for everyone. No, my certainly not. My mother could not watch it. No. <laughs> No, nor could mine, I don't think. But it is a a fake true crime documentary Mm -hmm. that is also kind of a meta examination of the true crime genre. Yeah. Um, And the first season has to do with these two high school kids investigating this vandalism that occurred Mm -hmm. on their school property. Um, And the second season has to do with some um, bodily functions that happened as a terrible prank. Um, and it's so charming. It is. I have become very attached to the two fictional filmmakers. Yes. Like I, I Peter Maldonado. At, yeah, is that his name? Peter Maldonado. Like that. That's right. And um, what's his friend? Sam. Sam. I just love Sam. So I love much. both of them so much. Um, cause it's a great exploration of like the kind of person who would kind of high schooler yes. who would get so invested in a mystery and like 
spend time trying to figure out figure it out and get to the bottom of it to even in the first season try to exonerate the person that he doesn't like yeah that has been accused of this crime because he's like i hate this kid but it doesn't add up that he did it Mm -hmm. um and i love that i think it's so great um it's hard to talk about because it is it is built on very crude humor Mm -hmm. that is also at the same time somehow very highbrow humor yeah, and it took, I'm not going to lie, like, I watched American Vandal season one, the first half mm-hmm. of the season. I Like, I binged it one mm-hmm. day, but only half paying attention because I couldn't tell if the humor was too right. crass for me. And because we, it goes back and forth. It does. And so I kind of put it aside and didn't finish. Well, then, because season two came out, that, and I thought season two's premise looked like something that would appeal to Jordan, I was like, why don't we watch season one together mm-hmm. and see what we think? And I became completely re-enamored. Yeah. And so did Jordan. He thought it was hilarious. It's such a good, poignant, true look at high schoolers, too. Yes. But you really have to get the rhythm of it. Yeah. The guy who in season one who plays... Um, Dylan. Dylan. Hard to tell if he's even acting, right? I looked at Jordan, though, and I was like, I can tell you the name of the guy in my high school who looked and acted exactly like this guy. Uh-huh. His name was Dustin. And I Googled him a while ago to see if he wound up to also be in prison. My guy's name was John. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got one. We all have one. Yeah. Um, so the books that I have on that do not capture the intellectual heart of that show. Okay. They do not deconstruct their genre, but they are that kind of teen investigative teen okay taking the real the problems and the preoccupations of the adult world and transposing them onto teenagers okay first one is paper towns oh yeah and that has this kind of mystery element yeah. right, to it right where the kid has to kind of play detective to get to the bottom of this mystery and then it opens up a bigger mystery yeah. right oh that's a great point um that is not exactly what happens in american vandal mm-hmm. um paper towns is a lot more sentimental yes. not nearly so um mm, meta mm-hmm. at all um not as smart yeah it's not as smart that's fair i mean that's it's a what, good story that's what's but so not great about american vandal is i think somehow those writers have created something yeah. that on its very face just looks like crass simple humor. and silly and stupid yeah but when you think about it for three seconds it's like a oh. really really smart take on contemporary society yeah and even the credit of the credits yeah, the credits are, so, are good. so good so funny okay um and then the next one same deal the impossible fortress by jason reculak yes. i've talked about this a few times too but it takes this kind of heist genre mm-hmm. heist mystery genre and moves it into a teenage setting where these high schoolers are one trying to steal something that they think will help them out and end up discovering this bigger mystery in the process and then through treating it like a mystery, have to come to the realization that life is not fiction, mm-hmm. that your actions have consequences, and that people are not extras in your life story, okay. which I do think is smart in the way that American Vandal is smart. Yes. Um, this book straddles that weird um, middle line of adult fiction and YA fiction that yeah. we've talked about a lot. I really think it's a YA novel that's been marketed to adults mm-hmm. for and I whatever think, reason. I was about to say, and I think we've had customers who have politely disagreed with that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we, and, and that's fine. And Yeah. And I, we've... I don't think content-wise there's anything in this book that isn't in a John Green novel. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I Go don't ahead. understand. I was about to say, some of those YA books, you really... Yeah. You really have to be careful. <laughs> Looking for Alaska has way dirtier stuff yeah. than, than The Impossible Fortress. Looking, I read Looking for Alaska as an adult. My friend and I read it together several years ago and we finished and we were like, 
I mean, I, it's still my favorite yeah, genre. It's very book. good. Um, but I finished and thought, are teenagers reading this? Because yeah. there is some stuff in here. I there, not... there, there is some stuff. Yeah. And like similar stuff yes. in Impossible Fortress, but it's all kind of a backstory. Okay. Um, I think it is a very smart take. Um, I think what maybe disconnects it from a YA audience is it's very period 80s setting. Uh-huh. Um, in which case, maybe this would be a good comp for something like Stranger Things, yeah. just because it is that 80s period setting. Yeah. Um, and if you're craving that and want to go to like a computer store where they have an arcade cabinet in the back and listen to cassettes, like this is the book for you. Did you read, I sent home, you probably haven't read it yet, but I sent home an ARC and now it's a, it's a novel out now. I think it's called Heartbreak. It's Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. Yeah. Uh-huh. A car on the cover. It's supposed to be. I remember be, looking at it. It's supposed to be that Stranger Things vibe. I'll just be, I, if you ever get to it, I'd be curious. Yeah. You no, know, I, I remember looking at it months ago yeah. and then you sent the ARC home like last month. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. Um, but I have not looked at it yet. Okay, I'd be curious. Um, so that's what we got for you. Yeah, so there's some good, I hope, good shows in there. Mm-hmm. And some if you are if you try the show and it leaves you wanting more or leaves you looking for something else, then these are some books that should tide you over. Exactly. is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at www.bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like this week's Unpopular Opinions, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. It's October, so during story time, the weekly... um, local preschoolers, not our one that's open to the public. I'm reading um, two really great kids' books. One is called Boo to You Too, and the other one is called Eat Pete. And they're good, like, gentle Halloween mm-hmm. stories. But, of course, that brings up the ever-popular question for children, mm-hmm. which is who slash what are you going to be for Halloween? Of course. So, so I made made the mistake or was generous with my time and said, what are you guys gonna be for Halloween? And this little boy, cutest little boy, was sitting up front and he looked at me and he said, I'm going to be a cockroach. And I was like, oh! Sure. <laughs> As one does. Yeah, of course, a, why not? What a very unique and very specific costume. <laughs> I kinda love that. Very Kafka. It was very funny. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.